I'm from a faucet not too far away. <laughs> but today we take part in something that is uh, monumentous, somewhat, something that has been taking place in the church for 2,000 years. Since Jesus, 2,000 years ago, before he ascended into heaven, said, go, he said to his disciples, go, therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and I am with you always. It's a beautiful promise at the end of a commissioning that God says, go into the world and I'm with you. Make disciples, baptize them in my name. And so since he spoke those words 2,000 years ago, we have been, our, our people, I've been doing this year after year after year for 2,000 years, for two millennia. And today we participate in that. We continue in that. And this is something that happens, it probably happened uh, all throughout the state today, that uh, people were baptized into the name and into the community of, of Jesus. And it's something that's happened all over the nation. And it's something that's happened all around the world today. And so we take part in a, a practice that the church, plural, capital C, has been taking part in for millennia and even today. So I wanted to unpack that a little bit today to set the stage for what we're about to do because what we're about to do is something, it's no small thing. It's something super uh, significant and it symbolizes and seals us in important ways. It connects us in two ways, connects us in two ways when we're baptized. It's It's a sign and a symbol of being connected, number one, to a person and number two, to a people. So in our baptism, we are connected and united to a person, and we are connected and united to a people with a purpose. I'm going to add another P there. People with a purpose, because alliteration is awesome. So let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, When people immigrate to the United States, and we have immigrants in our midst even now, And we have people in our community that have gone through this process. They immigrate to the United States. And if they desire to become citizens of the United States, they begin to um, do certain things and check certain boxes. And the United States has a process to become uh, a citizen. And at at the end of this long journey that can be difficult and, and take time, you have to do two things. Number one, you have to take a test, a citizenship test, which probably, probably most of us couldn't pass. I don't know. They ask you questions about the Constitution and about the founding of the, the nation and all that. So they have to kind of uh, be familiar with those facts and take that test. But then they also have to take an oath. I don't know if you know this. They make an oath. And they have to pledge their allegiance to the United States of America. They have to pledge their allegiance, and shift their loyalty from one nation to another. And in so doing, when they make that pledge, and they pledge their allegiance to the United States of America, they are disavowing, in many cases, unless there's dual citizenship, but don't think about that, they're disavowing their loyalty and their allegiance to any other nation state. 
And they're saying, I am an American and I join this people and I join this history of this people. For all the good and for all the bad, I am going to become an American and I am pledging my allegiance, my loyalty to this government and to this nation state. And I'm leaving behind all other loyalties to any other nation state. Now, that's a pretty serious thing. One that we, uh, it's an act that you should really think about if you're thinking of doing it. Significant. But let me tell you, baptism is the exact same thing, except ramped up intensity 100 times, infinitely more. What we are doing in baptism is publicly proclaiming our allegiance to Jesus and our allegiance to his kingdom. When we are baptized, we are saying, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb that was slain and to the kingdom which he set up and to his law and to his way and to his purposes in the world. And when we are baptized, we are pledging allegiance saying he is the highest allegiance. He is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords and his kingdom supersedes all other kingdoms. And so this is no small thing. We are saying that Jesus is Lord. And when we say that Jesus is Lord, we are saying that Caesar is not. When we say that Jesus is Lord, we are saying that the President of the United States is not. When we say that Jesus is Lord, we are saying that our parents are not. When we say that Jesus is Lord, we are saying that our spouse or our girlfriend or our boyfriend or our significant other is not. We are saying that our allegiance is to Jesus, to his way, and to no other way. And so that when anything comes into conflict with the way of Jesus, if a loyalty or an allegiance vies for our, our attention or calls us to walk in a certain way, and it comes into conflict with the way of Jesus, we, pick, we choose Jesus. We say, I choose the way of Jesus, not the way of my family. I choose the way of Jesus, not the way of my government. I choose the way of Jesus, not even the way of my church or whatever it may be. If it comes into conflict with the way and the purposes and the kingdom of Jesus, we are saying in our baptism, we are publicly proclaiming that I am with Jesus. I follow Jesus. So we are connected to a person. And our allegiance is to this person, this king, this Jesus, our savior, our Messiah. There's some beautiful things. I know that's intense, but there's some beautiful things with this connection. When we are united with Christ in our baptism, scripture says, we are, we are first of all, we're making a public, uh, a visible sign of something that's already internally true. If, we've, if we're being baptized, we're saying we've made a commitment to Jesus. We pledge our allegiance to him. We are wanting to follow him with our life. And so it becomes a visible sign of an invisible reality. All right? So we're making visible what is already true invisibly. And we're making it public. And so when we are baptized or when we are this, pro, this public, we're publicly saying that we've been connected, united with Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. So let's look at what that means because there's some pretty awesome uh, benefits to being connected with Jesus. Romans. Oh, let me say this. William Carey, old Baptist uh, missionary, 
back in the 18th century, said baptism is a cosmic declaration. Cosmic. Baptism is an act by which we declare before God, angels and men and women, that we yield ourselves to be the Lord's. So something significant is happening today, Matthew. Something significant is happening. It's not just the people here, but it's angels, it's the heavenly host, it's the world. This is cosmic implications uh, that we make a visible testimony to who is our Lord. In Romans 6, verse 3, Paul talks about what it means to be baptized into Christ. And he's responding to some questions about like, hey, if, if, if salvation is by grace alone and Jesus did it all, then can we just sin? Can we just do whatever we want? And Paul says, no. And here's why. Here's why. He says, don't you know that all of us, all of us who were, who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Raise your hand if you've been baptized before. All right, good. If you raise your hand, you've been baptized, you've made a visible demonstration and proclamation that this is true of you. What this is saying is that you have died with Christ. We believe that Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago. Physically, he died, all right, and that he rose from the dead. So when we are plunged into the waters, as we will be, as we're plunged into the waters, it's like being buried with Christ. And as we are brought out of the water, it is like being raised to newness of life with Jesus. Let's keep on going. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that, by the, bo- so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Christ. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, these words are powerful if we let them sink in. To maybe turn to your neighbor and say, I'm dead to sin and alive to Christ. Come on, let me hear it. Dead to sin and alive to Christ. Dead to sin and alive to Christ. This is a tremendous statement. In baptism, we do time travel, all right? Follow me, all right? Ever seen Back to the Future? Okay, not back to the future. We're going back to the past. We're time traveling. In baptism, what was true of Christ, when we are baptized, when we are laid in under the water and brought back up out of the water, we are transported back 
to Jesus when he was crucified, when he was buried, when he was in the tomb, and in three days when he rose from the dead. What was true of Jesus becomes true of us. Like we are brought back to that moment in history. That blistering sun with Jesus on the cross, nailed to a cross with each pounding of the hammer of the nail into the flesh of Jesus. We are transported back to that moment in our flesh, our sin, our sin nature is crucified with Christ. And we are taken down from the cross with him. And we are put into a tomb with him. And three days later on that morning when the sun rose and with him Jesus comes out of the grave, we come out of the grave with him. That is what our baptism symbolizes. That what is true of Jesus is now true of us. That the victory that Jesus had becomes our victory. This is what's called the mysterious union of Christ and his church. That we are somehow unified with Christ, his death and his resurrection. So in Christ, you have a new identity. If you have professed your faith in Jesus, you are a new person. And you are no longer a slave to sin. It's as if before, and, and, and sin has a real impact on our life. It has real power and authority. The Bible uses words like we were slaves to sin, right? We were slaves to sin. We were in bondage to sin. We were imprisoned by our sin. We could not do otherwise but to sin. We are captive. Imagine chains wrapped around your body and your hands and you've put into a cell with the doors shut and locked. You are unable. You are not free. You are unable to live a life other than sin dictates in your life. When you place your faith in Jesus and you say, I pledge allegiance to Jesus. I give my life to him and to his way. Those chains burst off of your hands and your feet and that cell door swings wide open. And you, in Jesus, in the new life that you have with Jesus, you have the power to overcome sin in your life. You've been forgiven of your sin. It, ha- it lays no claim on your life. And so imagine, though, that, that door being swung open and those chains being broken. And you decide, well, I'm just going to, I'm kind of comfortable here. I'm going to chill in the cell. I'm going to hang out here. I think that's what we do with our life. We think that, that sin has way more power and authority over our lives than it actually does. When we're in Christ, we've been freed. Sometimes we're afraid to walk out the cell door, aren't we? Because we're afraid of what does a life with Jesus look like? We talked a few weeks ago. It's not a class, it's a quest. Jesus doesn't offer us information. He offers us transformation. He offers us a quest. And a quest has dangers and uncertainties in it, right? And so we prefer the cell we know 
rather than the adventure, we don't. But what Jesus says is, look, I am with you always. You've been freed from sin and you've been freed for a purpose. So go, therefore, and I am with you. So in our union with Christ, in baptism, we are saying we've been united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. We have gone back in the past and all that is made true of Christ is true of us. We are dead to our sin. We are free. And for freedom, Christ has set us free, it says in Scripture. Here's another uh, benefit of being connected and unified with Jesus. That the fear of death no longer is tyr- has tyranny over us, has control over us. So much of our angst as human beings is related to death and dying. We fear death, and we should. It's the great enemy. But the enemy of death has been defeated with Christ on the cross and through his resurrection. And because he's killed sin, and when we place our faith in him, our sin, and when we rise from the dead with him, our resurrection is guaranteed. Now this sounds, maybe sounds crazy to people that, that aren't yet followers of Jesus. It does sound crazy, I'll admit it. What we believe is that we actually will physically be raised from the dead just like Jesus was. Is that weird? Kind of weird. If you let yourself think about it. What, what happened to my uh, thingamajig? Am I done? My slides aren't working. It's all right. Imagine, this is what Paul says. All right. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Would you hand me that a keyboard there, buddy? Don't touch any of the buttons or else everything will be lost. Thanks, man. All right, let's see if this works. Let me see. There we go. All right, sweet. All right, so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, talking about the benefits of resurrection, of what his resurrection means to us. Where, O death, is your victory? He's taunting death, the great enemy. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus has defeated the great enemy, death, and that death has no longer any power over us and that we will physically be raised from the dead. And this is a belief that was in much, uh, has been true of all Christian centuries. But if you walk into a cemetery and you're in a cemetery that's been around for a little bit, 1700s, 1800s, uh, 16th, 17th century, you are going to see in a lot of the two tombstones this word. It's resurgam. It's Latin, future tense for I shall rise. I shall rise. And there we've lost this in the church. We've spiritualized heaven to the point where heaven is going to be this disembodied existence floating on the clouds with fat little babies strumming harps, right? And that's our hope of heaven, like this disembodied existence. But Christianity, the Jesus way, is very... It's very physical. God created the world and said it was good. Seven times, it was good. It was good. It was good. The material world is not bad. He's making all things new. The new heavens and the new earth. Our existence is a very physical, embodied existence. And we will rise physically from the dead. Resurgam. I shall rise. If you want a good tattoo idea, that might be it. Thought about it. 
D.L. Moody says, as I go into a cemetery, I like to think of the time, imagine this, when the dead shall rise from their graves. Thank God our friends are not buried, they are merely sown. What's the imagery there? It's that agricultural imagery of a seed being planted. And you bury a seed in the ground, and you don't bury it to remain there. You bury it, and it brings bursts out of the ground into new life, right? And I'll tell you, those who are in Christ, those who have been baptized into Christ's death and his resurrection, have this hope that they will, be, they will rise from the dead. They will burst from the ground. I think this gives us a lot of hope, a lot of hope for those, uh, our loved ones, right, that we've lost, that, are, that we've buried. But they're not buried, they're sown. They're sown. I think of Aline, and I think of her bursting out like a plant full of beauty and strength coming out of the ground. And that day we get to see her out from the grave. That's our hope. It's going to be a beautiful day. So that's what it looks like to be connected to the person of Jesus through baptism. The fear of death, gone. The power of sin over our lives, done. The power to live a resurrected life, here and now and for eternity. But one last thing, and we're going to end here. We're not only connected to a person, but we're connected to a people. We, as baptized individuals, sign up for and are entered into the people that have called the person of Jesus Lord. We enter and we become part of a family that has called Jesus and has pledged allegiance to Jesus as their king. And we become a part of a people and a movement that are about the priorities and the way and the works and the will of King Jesus. And so we become, this is not just an individual act. Following Jesus is a team sport, not an individual sport, right? And we join up with a people. You come to Jesus as an individual. You follow him as a family. And so you cannot follow Jesus. You cannot have you cannot follow the person of Jesus without being a part of the people of Jesus. This is a community event. This is a movement of a people that have been redeemed by Jesus and have called one person King and Lord. And so we become a part of a people. And so Galatians 3.26 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What is this saying? It says that all previous identities are, are, are absorbed and made Our highest identity is in Jesus. We are clothed with Christ. And so whether Jew or Gentile, whether free or slave, whether male or female, your identity, your primary identity is in Jesus. And that is where our unity is found. That is where our identity is found. It is in Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his kingdom life. 
and we become part of a people, one people, past, present, and future. So Matthew, when you are baptized today, you are baptized not only connecting to a person, Jesus Christ, but to a people, and you become part of Abraham's seed. What this means is your God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your God is the God of Noah. Your God is the God of King David. Your God is the God of the apostles. Your God is the God of Martin Luther King Jr. Your God is the God of the people that have stood for justice, that have moved the the kingdom forward, and have partnered with Christ in this world. So we become part of a community, a people of faith. And so, just to wrap up, Let me try to be a little bit inspiring here. I hope it is. I hope it's inspiring because it should be. We are a loved people that love people. We've experienced the love and unconditional love of God through Jesus. And because of that love that we've received, we love people. That is our identity. We are a forgiven people that forgive people. We have been forgiven, cleansed of our sin, freed from our sin, and therefore we can be people that forgive. We are people that have been reconciled, reconciled to God, formerly enemies and strangers, now made family in the family of God. And as reconciled people, we are to reconcile people. We are to be facilitators of peace. We are to be people that bring divergent perspectives and views and people together and proclaim peace. Where there's hatred, we are to be a people of love. Where there's hostility, we're to be a people of peace. This is what we come into and are baptized into. We are baptized into a person and into a people that have purpose. This purpose is to be ambassadors of reconciliation and peace. I won't read the whole thing, but we, let's go just halfway in here. I don't know why I always go to this screen. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So, let me just pause here for a moment and acknowledge that we don't always see the church acting in this way. When we're baptized into a people, we're also baptized into um, a people that have not always follow Jesus well, all right? And I think I see that in our culture today a bit, that our identity as Jesus followers is to be according to the way of Jesus, right? We're to be a people not of hostility, but of hospitality. We're to be a people not of independence and rugged individualism, but a community of interdependence where we care for one another, and support one another. We're not to be a community of exclusion, but one of embrace. But I see that our elite, and this all should stem, the identity as people comes from the identity of our king, of the person to whom we've pledged allegiance, right? But I see our identity as a people messed up because our allegiance gets messed up. We misplace our allegiance. We pledge allegiance to the wrong things. We pledge allegiance to country. We pledge allegiance to family. We pledge allegiance to lifestyle. And when we do that, we cease to be a people that represents King Jesus well. And I see that 
in our culture today that our allegiance is to a particular political party, to a particular platform, to a particular way of life, to a particular standard of living, to a particular comfort level. And whenever that's threatened, we don't, our first question is, is this what King Jesus leads us into? It's how does it affect me and my family and those people that look like me? That's not the way of the people of God. The way of the people of God is the way of Jesus. Whether it leads us into discomfort, whether it leads us into, even to the cross. And so I want to challenge us to, as we, as those of you who have been baptized, who have placed their faith in Jesus, that you recognize that you've been baptized into allegiance. You pledge allegiance to King Jesus and you are a people that represents the King. The King who said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. The King who said, Father, forgive them even while being pierced to a cross at the hands of his enemies. The, pray, the, the, the Lord and the King who calls us not to greed but to generosity. Let's be a people faithful to our baptism. And that's what we get to do today. In the back, and we'll get them. We're, about to, we're going to do baptism. But this is a community, community event, as we've said. A person and a people. And so there's a little uh, baptismal uh, script that we want to follow. And what this represents is an opportunity not only for Matt to say, I pledge allegiance to Jesus, to the Lamb that was slain, and to the kingdom that He has instituted. And I am entering into the people of God and my identity is a faithful follower of Jesus. But it's also our opportunity as a people to recommit to our baptism and to say, hey, I was baptized maybe as a baby, maybe as a five-year-old, maybe as a 30-year-old. But it's an opportunity to say, I recommit. Maybe I've gone like this in my following of Jesus, but I'm going to recommit to be a faithful follower of Jesus and to put his agenda above mine and his agenda over my countries and his agenda over my families, I'm going to follow Jesus. And so it's an opportunity for that. It's also an opportunity for you to consider if you haven't been baptized, hey, maybe I need to sign up for this. I want to be united to this person, Jesus, who has forgiven me of my sins, has killed sin, and has raised me to newness of life. I want to be connected to that person. I want to pledge allegiance to that king. I want to be part of the people and his purpose in the world. So if that's you, I want you to talk to me, and let's, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's be baptized. It's good stuff. All right, so um, Sarah, could you go grab the kids because I want them to be a part of it? And then, um, oh, she already did it? Nice. Dave, could you grab some of those scripts and just pass them out a little bit? Uh, I want everyone, should be enough for most people. And I need one. So we're going to do some baptism here. All right? So Matthew, did you bring any towels? Sweet. (laughs) I got one. All right, so we'll see how this works. Yeah. 